You're listening to the Bold Face Truth Podcast with Amy Green Smith, episode 492. You can find information on anything referenced in this week's episode at amygreensmith.com slash EP492. Oh, well, hey there. Check you out listening to self-help pods and working on yourself. Fuck yeah. Quick question. You know those situations where your boss asks you to take on one more thing, or your partner asks what's bothering you, and you respond with a bold-faced lie? Oops. What would shift for you if you actually started telling the bold-faced truth? Everything. Listen, if you struggle with people-pleasing, perfectionism, and you could use some help with boundaries or speaking up, you are in the right place. Thank God. I am Amy Green-Smith. I'm a certified and credentialed life coach, hypnotherapist, and keynote speaker. Fancy. And I've been working in the personal development space since the mid-2000s. Vintage. Sometimes I'll be solo, other times you'll hear from smart folks offering you easy-to-implement tools to help you tell the bold-faced truth. Yes! Well, hello, audience. Amy here, and today we are going to be discussing 10 simple ways that you can start believing in yourself. I've talked with so many different people who have a really difficult time leaning into self-trust, leaning into acknowledging what your intuition is telling you. And instead, oftentimes, we will lean towards people-pleasing or perfectionism or ways that society has said This will make you happy. This will make you worthy. This will make you deserving of the things that you desire. You have to check all of these boxes outside of yourself. Instead of genuinely cultivating a relationship with self, we're going to be talking about 10 simple things that you can do to start amplifying that belief in yourself. But here's what I'll say. Yes, they are simple. They're not always easy. One of the things that I think a lot of people fall into is collecting personal development, whether that is listening to a bunch of podcasts or reading a bunch of books or maybe even consuming information from social media or or things like that. And they don't actually implement the things that they have learned. I want you to just pick one or two that you can really devote yourself to over the next week or so. What we don't realize is that the repetition of our behavior is what changes what's happening in our subconscious belief system. If you tend to be a recovering perfectionist, you are likely going to think, I need to do all 10 of these and I need to do them all flawlessly. And if I don't, then I'm going to throw in the towel and do nothing. I want to challenge that. I want you to say, I'm going to pick two of these things and I'm going to really place some concerted effort around it. You probably have heard me talk about this before. If you just consume and consume and consume, but don't take action, nothing will change. Just like if you were to read all the books on Pilates or watch all of the TikToks about Pilates techniques, if you don't actually hit the mat, you aren't going to gain any strength. You aren't going to change your core. You have to hit the mat. And when we talk about things in the personal development space, they aren't 
tangible. They're mostly concepts and tools, things that you cannot see. So you have to self-discipline in order to actually use those things in your day in and day out life. All right. So number one, a simple way to start believing in yourself is to keep an evidence journal, an ongoing evidence journal or a log of the things you didn't know how to do in the past and you ended up figuring it out. A lot of times when we're going after new endeavors or we want to start dating again or we're looking to shift some things in our relationship, the predominant thought is, I don't know how, but I don't know how to communicate with my partner, but I don't know how to start a business, but I don't know how. And we don't give ourselves enough credit for the mountains of evidence that we have to support that there have been many things that we did not know how to do and we figured them out. And you can go back as far as you want. Like there was a time when I couldn't ride a bike. There was a time when I couldn't tie my shoes. All of this, that shit, I changed. But there was a time I remember very clearly when I was first getting involved in makeup artistry and I was working for a prestige makeup brand. This is, oh my God, actually 20 years ago. This is wild to even think about. But it was in about 02, 03. And I remember when I started working for the brand, I felt like, holy shit, I am never going to know all of these ingredients. I'm never going to know all of these products. And I cannot wait till I get to that point where I know all the answers. But right now, I don't really believe in myself. And I'm feeling like I'm faltering. Had I done this particular exercise, I think this would have bolstered my confidence a little bit more to remind myself that, yes, of course, there's a learning curve whenever anything is new. But we oftentimes have, again, a mountain of evidence to support that we can learn those things. You can also alter this just slightly and just start an ongoing list of the things you are proud of yourself for. That can be getting out of bed if you've been struggling with depression or anxiety. That could be that you spoke up in a business meeting. That could be that you initiated getting together with a new friend, even though putting yourself out there made you a little bit scared. It could be that you reached out to a financial advisor to help you get your financial house in order. Any small thing that you can go, okay, I'm really proud of myself. But if you feel up for it, I would suggest getting your notes app out on your phone or something else that you can use to record and keep track of things that you didn't know how to do and then you figured them out. In fact, recently when I had conducted a couple of retreats this past spring, I really was settling into my expertise in this career field and really owning that I'm an authority. And I was able now, 15 years into the game, to really settle in and say, you know what, there's nothing really that anyone can pose to me that I don't either have the answer to or can point them in a direction if it's outside of my scope of practice. And that feels really, really fucking good. But that did not happen at the very beginning. At the very beginning, I was really struggling with knowing that I could actually do this, that I could start my own business, that I was really astute at being able to guide people into bigger versions of themselves. 
at that time, I was so much more internally focused and didn't have the self-belief that I do now. But you don't just magically gain all this confidence, magically gain all of this self-trust without bumping up against things that scare you and continuing to behave from a place of courage. We see people who have confidence and we assume that that's some sort of secret sauce or they're wired that way or, oh, they must be an extrovert. They have it easy. It's not the case. People who have extreme amount of confidence have bumped up against really scary shit over and over and over again and chose courage instead of fear. That's the secret to building confidence in yourself and self-belief. Okay, so that's number one. You can start keeping an ongoing evidence log. Number two, be intentional about who you surround yourself with. This is absolutely huge. This is similar to if, let's say, you're trying to quit drinking and that's something that's really important to you. It's like being like, well, I'll just keep alcohol in the house or I'll just go hang out at the bar, but I'm not going to drink. That's what it's like when you have difficult people in your life who are not supporting your personal growth. Can you still stand in your power? Can you still believe in yourself? Yes, absolutely. But it makes your job a shit ton harder. If you want to change your relationship with alcohol, you make your job easier by not associating with places like a bar or places that you might get highly triggered, especially if you're at the beginning of unraveling that relationship. Be intentional about who is in your inner circle. One way that you can kind of look at this is to think, do I feel safe being vulnerable with this person? If I'm just going back to school now or starting a new career or deciding to leave a marriage or a friendship, are those people in my life able to hear the expanse of my specific scenario or are they going to layer on a bunch of their preconceived beliefs or not see nuance. A lot of times we'll have people in our life who are incredibly well-meaning. They're not necessarily malicious. They may not even see the detriment that they're bringing to your life. But you can be really clear, wow, okay, those are not necessarily ears that can hear me. Speak your truth into ears that can hear you. I learned very early on that if there were things that I was learning in personal development or even in like the spiritual realm, talking to spirit guides or communicating with mediums, those were things that I could not rely on my family to reciprocate that excitement or to be excited for me, even if it wasn't necessarily for them. So I learned, okay, Those folks are not necessarily ears that can hear me. That's okay. I just need to be deliberate about surrounding myself a majority of the time with folks who can see my biggest life. Take a quick inventory and just notice if either your work environment, your home environment, your social environment... Are those places that build you up? Do you feel supported? Or are they making your job a shit ton harder? Number three, choose healthy behaviors that genuinely build you up, that make you feel good. What are you constantly 
putting into your mind. For example, many of us will scroll social media and consume all sorts of information that sometimes feels really empowering and sometimes feels really disempowering. I'll give you an example. Because I've worked through religious trauma, there are a handful of Facebook groups that I follow along with that really help me settle into my agnostic atheism, (laughs) specifically people who have broken out of an extremely dogmatic evangelical upbringing. And those sites are fantastic. And many times I feel seen and I feel bolstered in my stance. However, there are times that I snooze those accounts because I don't like how I feel. I don't want to constantly be in an us-against-them mentality. There are times when that is fulfilling for me, but then there's others when I have to recognize, okay, I don't want to consume that. I had to really limit how much news I consumed. I started my day off with NPR One. I never missed the NPR Politics podcast ever. It was one of the podcasts that I, it was routine every single week. And I would get into these incredible furies and rages. And I realized, okay, that behavior is not, I'd much rather consume things, whether it's social media, on my television, audiobooks. I'd rather focus on things that genuinely make me feel good. And yes, I still want to be philanthropic. I still want to be aware. I just don't want to be smothered. Maybe you struggle with diet culture or how you feel about your body. I had to be really deliberate about curating my feeds on all social media. So I was seeing diverse bodies, not just what has been touted for ages about what a female body is supposed to look like. I started getting really involved with fat activism and fat liberation content. And I use the word fat from a liberatory stance. The people who I am learning from who are reclaiming that word. And that was something that was really huge for me that I'm now able to see so many different types of bodies. And it's not just weight. I really try to make a concerted effort to follow disabled bodies, black and brown bodies, all sorts of different folks who I can learn from that helps expand my mind, but also allows me to settle in to owning being in this skin suit, that I don't have to always be working against my cellulite and stretch marks and body weight and all of that. None of that. I don't want to deal with any of that anymore. I'm opting out. So for me, that was a very deliberate behavior choice that I made for myself to help me anchor into my value, to believe in me, to say it's okay if you aren't constantly counting calories. In fact, we're opting out of that. We're opting out of food having morality. Food is not either good or bad. That's not a thing. And a great way that you can start doing this is by checking in with your emotions. You have to notice, oh, wow, being around this person really doesn't make me feel very good or consuming this type of content, watching this type of show, listening to this type of podcast. I don't feel good. Pay attention to how you feel. Emotions are messaging. They're there to share something with you. Number four, decide on one action that you are going to take that scares you just a little bit. 
let's make this fairly low stakes. I do not want you to do something, especially if you struggle with a lot of anxiety. I do not want you to choose something that is a massive step. I don't want you to choose to quit your job and go take out a huge business loan tomorrow. But what you might want to do, it might scare you a little bit, to call up your cousin and ask, hey, can you tell me a little bit about what the process was like when you got involved with the fire department or when you started your own law firm? Where did you start? You know, like picking the brain of somebody who's in your orbit. Or maybe it's about doing a Google search and just finding, hmm, I wonder if there are options for me in my field, in the medical field, that maybe I've never even heard of before. But the idea of actually leaving your current work might be way too scary, way too big. So let's just start with a baby step. This can also be related to cultivating rich relationships. I cannot tell you how many folks that I run into in their 40s and 50s who are genuinely craving close friendships. And they're kind of looking around going like, well, I have my partner, but I don't even like them very much. (laughs) You'd be so – actually, you probably wouldn't be shocked how often I hear that. But they're looking around going, I need those soulful, rich connections. Where are they? So maybe you start thinking about it and you go, you know what? There's that gal who I work with who always does walks during lunch, and I love to go for walks. I'm going to ask if she would be up for me accompanying her. That might be something that scares you just a little bit. Or maybe it is, if you run your own business, deciding to take Friday off for yourself. Maybe it is asking your boss for a little more support or time off or something that scares you just a little bit. Maybe it is a conversation that you haven't had with your child or your parent or your partner, and you want to just start broaching that lightly. That could be something small that scares you. If you run an online business and you are brand spanking new, usually the thing that's going to scare you is putting yourself out there. Maybe it is researching about should I do YouTube versus TikTok versus podcast versus blogging. Maybe it's figuring that out. Maybe it's deciding to just go for it and go live on Instagram just once. It depends on the level of fear that you're experiencing. We don't want to put you into a full all out fear response. We want to get you into action where you're feeling that, ooh, this is a bit out of my comfort zone. I'm actually safe. I'm just a little scared. But what this does is it gives you evidence of what you're capable of. And then you can add it to your evidence log. I was terrified to ask Joanne if she would want to start going for walks during our lunch break. And I did it. Check me out. Look at what I am capable of. Number five, monitor that self-talk. Now, I also call this self-sentiment because not everyone has a ticker tape of words going on in their own mind. A lot of times, it is just an essence, a feeling. A lot of people will also have both. I have both hands down. Usually, People will be a little heavier on one than the other. I'm definitely heavier on literal words in my mind. 
However, if I'm once again scrolling Instagram and I come across stuff that I go down a portal that makes me feel kind of shitty about myself, like I'm not doing business correctly or my body's not the right way, my heart will kind of fall. I don't necessarily hear words in my mind like you're not enough or you're never going to be as successful. It's just sort of an all knowing in my body. It's a sentiment that I'm experiencing. So if that's your case, a lot of times you have to look beyond that of like, what is this sensation telling me? What just happened just now? My heart fell. What did that mean? What was that symbolic of? So if you have literal words, that's very a lot easier to tap into. But Usually, we can pinpoint that pretty damn quickly no matter what avenue it arrives in. This one is a pretty monolithic topic. I'm going to link to a handful of other pods that I have done around this topic if you want more of a deep dive. But this is regimen. This is habit forming. Like I remember years ago, I was speaking at a conference and when you do those intensives over just a handful of days, I'm sure you know you can get really overloaded with a lot of information. And I remember there was a gal who raised her hand and she said, okay, I'm a bit overwhelmed with all of the incredible information that y'all have shared with us. Where do I start? Like what's one thing that I know I can move the mark on to start believing in myself a little bit more? And I said, without a shadow of a doubt, it's managing your self-talk slash self-sentiment. Because that is with you 24-7. So if you listen to a positive personal growth podcast or you're reading a book here and there, but the rest of the 23 hours during the day, you're with your mind talking mad shit to yourself, guess which one is going to win? It's inescapable. We absolutely have to connect with that part of our mind and change that script. And there are ways to do that so that it's much more palatable for your mind. And again, I'm going to link to some specifics around that if you want to have a little bit of a deeper dive. Number six, focus on the good what ifs as opposed to the bad what ifs. This is a tool that I call good what if, bad what if. And Most of the time, when we start spinning in our minds about what if this, what if that, what if they don't like me, what if I fall on my face, what if I don't get this job, what if I'm too old, what if that's not going to be possible for me, we spin and we usually make up a pretty fucking horrible story about what could happen. And most of the time, it's really unrealistic. What we don't do is we don't often stop ourselves and go, What if it all worked out? What if it was actually easy? And you can do kind of a what if fantasy or you can do what if realistic. So let me give you an example there. Let's say that I'm going to go to a speaking engagement and what's going on in my mind is I'm going, what if I am not articulate? What if I stumble over all my words? What if I forget my talking points? What if they think that I'm full of shit? What if they never ask me back? What if this is a big mistake? What if my mouth gets dry and I'm like smack mouthing all over the place? <laughs> there I'm pretty clear what that I'm going into a negative spiral of bad what ifs, catastrophic what ifs. 
we can take it into what if fantasy land, like a super, super good what if, like what if this is what completely changes my career? What if there's someone in the audience who wants me to do a collaboration with Brene Brown? What if there's someone who I meet who wants to publish my book? What if I meet my very best friend at this event? What if they ask me back for a series? What if Oprah calls because she heard about it, right? Like we can go big, big, big fantasy. We can also do what if realistic, where we just take the things that were the what if bads and we go, okay, what if my mouth feels normal the whole time and I don't have smack mouth? It's not dry and it's also not excessively slobbery. What if it's just how it's normally operating? (laughs) What if I go in and do my job and what if I trip and make a big joke about it and it's no big deal at all? What if that actually leads to a really amazing talking point about not having to be perfect at everything? What if I deliver my speech just the same way I have in the past and it's well-received? That's something that is like a what if realistic. I've had that experience before. That's not outlandish. But oftentimes we get really laden by these negative what ifs, by these catastrophic what ifs. Your first item business is noticing, okay, I just went into that negative what if spiral. Let's look at what if good? What if realistic? What if it goes the way it's kind of always gone? Or what if I'm surprised? Number seven, examine your deep-seated beliefs. Usually, if you don't feel a strong sense of confidence in self, you don't believe in yourself, you don't trust yourself, usually underneath all of that is a really deep belief, spoiler alert, most of the time founded in your childhood, that says, I'm not enough or I'm not worthy, or I'm not lovable, or everything has to be hard for me. So when I teach about belief systems, I think about it like this. If you were to envision or imagine a tree, your beliefs are like the roots of the tree. And then all of the branches are kind of your self-talk. The fruit is your emotions. But underneath all of that, underneath the self-talk, underneath the emotions, is the belief. So we've got to get to the root, which is why that is something that I focus on heavily when I'm working with students and clients. You might have heard me talk about my worthy program. As of right now, this could change by the time this airs, but there is one spot remaining. This is a program that spans over nine months. I do it once a year, obviously, because it's nine months in duration. But it is simply called worthy, worthy, period, because that's the most prevailing, disempowering belief that I come across. I'm not enough. I don't matter. I'm not valuable. I'm not deserving. A lot of folks who have really deep roots in organized religion oftentimes have a belief around I'm innately bad. I'm not good. I'm wrong. Who I am is wrong. So we completely uproot that in this program amongst a ton of other work that we do around value systems, forgiveness work for yourself and for others, dealing with 
parental trauma and the mother-father wound, inner child work, emotional intelligence work, and we focus very heavily on beliefs, changing what you are feeling. And what's really cool is I have had plenty of students who this is where we start. We dismantle this disempowering belief around enoughness, and now we're able to peel a, a different layers of the onion. Now we're able to go, what are my beliefs about men? What are my beliefs about money? What are my beliefs about spirituality? And we can keep going from there because they are so bolstered in this belief that I am enough. I am worthy. Not to mention that this program includes two all-inclusive retreats, in-person retreats. They're five-day retreats. Everything is covered. You just have to fly to the location. One of them is at a just breathtaking lakeside estate in northern North Carolina. And we'll be going there in December. And then in May, we're going back to a gorgeous luxury resort in Puerto Vallarta, Mexico that I am dying to get back to. Both of those, again, you simply just have to pay for your airfare, everything else, meals, your rides to and from the airport, all of that is handled. But again, like I said, I'm limiting it to eight folks and I have one spot left. And it is not for the faint of heart. It is an investment both financially and time-wise. There's a commitment here. It's a small group, so you don't get lost in like hundreds of people. <laughs> I've been in those programs before where I'm like, hello, hello. I prefer really intimate, small groups of women who can powerfully lift one another up. Seven of those spots are gone. We have one remaining, and I have a couple of folks who are potentially interested. So if you've been feeling kind of a tug, a pull, like this could be the time, and you cannot keep going on another year, five years, and wake up feeling the same fucking way about yourself, feeling like everyone else is more important, and you're doing, 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 hustling for everyone else, and you're going, why the hell am I not happy? Why do I always feel like I'm coming up empty? And if you genuinely want to change that, please go to amygreensmith.com slash worthy. You can read all about it, and then you can see how you can apply for that final spot. So again, number seven, examine your deep-seated beliefs. Now, I just completed a series all around worthiness and enoughness. I'm going to link to those five episodes, the last five I've done, in the show notes for, for easy clickability because if that is a struggle for you, I want you to see all of the different elements of enoughness, how it informs your ability to speak up for yourself and boundaries and saying no and difficult conversations, how it informs perfectionism or people pleasing. It's all very analogous. Number eight, this is one of my absolute favorite tools. When you are feeling any type of way that is uncomfortable, you're feeling stressed, you're feeling overwhelmed, you're feeling sad, shameful, guilty, I want you to ask yourself this inquiry, what am I making up? Oftentimes, because emotions come at us and they are dramatic, right? When we're overwhelmed, we feel like, oh, I'm never going to get out from underneath this pile of stuff. They're dramatic. But if we stop for a second and go, what am I making up? 
I'm making up that I have to do all of this on my own. I'm making up that there's nothing I can postpone. I'm making up that there's no one I can lean on. I'm making up that I have to do all of these things in such a tight time frame. And that helps you figure out sort of the grand assessment that you're making about the situation. If you are feeling a lot of shame or guilt, what are you making up? I'm making up that it's my responsibility to take care of other people's emotions. If my mom is not happy with a decision that I've made and I feel an element of guilt, I'm making up that I have to maintain her happiness, that I'm responsible for all the things that she feels, which is a complete fallacy. If you think that somebody is frustrated with you at work, what am I making up? A lot of times we make up a big fucking story. Well, they're, they have it out for me. They just want to take my job or they're trying to talk shit on me or they think I'm incompetent. They're trying to micromanage me. We make up massive stories and oftentimes they are void of facts. We love to tidy up loose ends in our mind. It's a very scientific process. We we like to close the loop. We don't that's one of the reasons why we fucking hate cliffhangers. We want to finish the story, tidy it up no matter what it is. So if we experience something with a coworker, a friend, family member and we're not able to finish that cycle and size it up and say this is how this person feels about me or this is the nature of our relationship, we will just make it up. We will hypothesize. Number eight is examine your emotions and simply ask yourself that question, what am I making up? And it can be the most advantageous when you find yourself in a pretty intense emotional place. That's when we tend to jump to that conclusion. We make up or conclude a new story. Number nine, a great way to foster some self-belief, and we've kind of danced around this a little bit today, is to learn something new, to prove to yourself that you are able, that you are capable of retaining something new, of learning, of growing, of doing something different, especially in a category that you feel less than. For example, one issue that I have found in my own life, but also with many of my clients, is feeling really insecure around running your finances. That was something that in working with my money story and changing my relationship with money, I had to reckon with the fact that I was kind of abusive in that relationship because I was negligent. If you think about how abuse shows up in real-world situations with humans, if a parent were to neglect a child, that is abuse. And for many years before I got my shit straight, I was my financial house simply by neglecting it, by not wanting to look at it. So I didn't want to deal with tax stuff. I didn't want to talk to our financial advisors. I didn't want to look at where our 401k and our investments and stuff were because I was insecure there. But when I started learning little bits and pieces about that, I started cultivating so much more belief in myself and trust in myself. That's one small example. It can be anything. It could be learning a funny new TikTok dance. Like, oh my gosh, I used to cut a rug when I was in high school and I haven't danced forever. And oh my gosh, check me out. Look, I can learn something new. 
I've been recently rekindling my Spanish learning. <laughs> I was really proud of myself this past May for the retreat when I went to Puerto Vallarta. And I was like, wow, I know a lot more. Like this is coming back to me so much more than I thought it was. So I've been doing the Babbel app and been learning small little things to help me be a bit more fluent in Spanish. I'm not even remotely close. But again, as I take those small incremental steps, I cultivate that belief in my own capability. See what you are capable of, which then again brings me back to number one, keeping that evidence log. There was a time when I knew zero Spanish. And I was just, we were just at a community event. It was really, really fun. And the person who was helping us out with our food wasn't it wasn't able to understand English very well. And I was able to say, can we put that sauce on the side? And that was something that I used to not know how to say that. And now I know how to say. And I was really proud of myself. That helps to foster belief. It doesn't mean I now have to get a degree in Spanish or something like that. I don't have to write a book in Spanish. I just have to take these small little steps so again, number nine, learn something new. And finally, number 10, this is more conceptual, but give credence to neuroscience and recognize that there's nothing wrong with you. It's likely that it's just the beliefs that you have attached to. And many of our beliefs we have adopted without consent. We've been grandmothered into them. They have been things that have been taught to us by our families of origin, by our religions, by our culture and our society, telling us that we are less than, that we're not enough. If you are a woman, you definitely know what this is like. Hello, wage gap. Society says you genuinely are not worth as much as a man. Of course, we're going to be up against things like that in our culture. But here's the most beautiful thing about our beliefs and about how the mind and the brain work. We have neuroplasticity in the brain. What that means is it's plastic, it's malleable, it's movable, meaning that it doesn't matter how long you have lacked belief in yourself, you can turn that around and you are not exempt from the science. We have neural pathways that are almost like actual walkways. If you think about a well-worn path, let's say there are two different roads and one path has been traveled over and over and over again. And it's very well-worn. You can very easily go down that path. And then there's this other one that's you can't even come close to it because there's all these shrubs and foliage overgrowing, and it's very difficult to get through there. Those paths metaphorically represent what's happening with neural pathways in the brain. So if we've gone down this well-worn path of people-pleasing or self-doubt or not trusting ourselves, that will naturally be easier for us to do. It's ingrained in the brain. So if I'm asking you to start going down this other path where we've got to get the machete out, the machete, and we have to start cutting down all these shrubs in order to start blazing a new path and allowing that old one to start overgrow, 
there's going to be some friction there. That's where we get the inner critic going, this is dumb. This doesn't work. Just go back down that people-pleasing path. Go down that control and perfectionism path. That's a lot easier. Go down that talking shit to yourself path. We don't know this terrain. But if you continue to stick with it, you have that neuroplasticity in the brain where we can create and pave a brand new pathway and we can let that old one overgrow and become obsolete. It is literally science and you are not exempt from the science. You are not what I like to call being uniquely broken. I cannot tell you how many folks come to work with me and go, yeah, but I'm your worst case. Yeah, but I really am not enough. Yeah, but I really am not worthy. But there's something that has me here because I I recognize this is not working. So again, if that is you and you are feeling like, yeah, all this stuff can work for other people, but not for me, that's your belief system. And beliefs are changeable. They're malleable. They are not set in stone, but they feel true. So there's a whole science to working with that and changing that and allowing you to access new beliefs that allow you to feel capable, empowered, confident, and genuinely believe in yourself. Again, that's what we do in Worthy. And one spot remains. If you're interested, go to amygreensmith.com slash worthy. Even if you're not sure it's for you, check it out. Even if you're not sure this is the time for you, it could be that you need to marinate on this idea for a while. You need to think about some of the things that we've talked about today. It might not be the time, but it could be something for you to get on your radar of, yeah, I do need a deeper dive and and to change some of this stuff. Because let me tell you, when the fuck did we learn this in school? The answer is never. We never learned this anywhere. So what that means is we get to this place in our life when we've checked off all those proverbial boxes and we're like, why am I not happy? Why don't I feel like enough? What the hell? I feel duped. And again, it's because it's an internal job. It's not in all of these boxes that you check. So let's go back and just do a quick recap. Number one, keep an ongoing evidence log of things you didn't know how to do, but you ended up figuring out. It's sort of a log of I'm clearly capable. Number two, be intentional about who you surround yourself with. Be really clear on that one. Number three, choose healthy behaviors that make you feel good. What are you constantly putting into your mind? Number four, decide on one action that you are going to take that scares you just a little bit. Number five, monitor your self-talk slash your self-sentiment. And again, if you need more support on that, I'm going to do some links in the show notes for you. Number six, focus on good what-ifs instead of spiraling in those bad what-ifs. Number seven, examine your deep-seated beliefs. Number eight, examine your emotions and ask, because I'm feeling this way, what am I making up? And is that even true? It's probably not even close to true. Most of the time, it's a fabrication. Number nine, learn something new. Prove to yourself that you are capable. And number 10, Give credence to neuroscience. You are not exempt from how the brain works. There's nothing wrong with you. It's likely we just need to get more empowering beliefs embedded in your subconscious mind. 
There you have it. I'm hoping this is really helpful. If you have any thoughts or some major takeaways, please come find me over on Insta. You can find me under the handle Hey Amy Green Smith. All of those names are spelled the very basic bitch way. <laughs> so you can find me over there and I hang out pretty much on all of social media with the same handle. But Instagram is really my preferred jam. I will see you around these parts next week. And please remember, you are enough. Your voice matters. So go out there and speak your bold-faced truth. Okay, wait, wait, wait. Just one more thing. So these podcasts, it turns out, don't actually rate and review themselves. So I would be over the moon if you would leave a review, rate the show, subscribe and tell anyone you know who needs to start speaking the fuck up for themselves and if you do i will give you a mini pig just kidding but i will be so very incredibly grateful okay thank you bye